Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello, and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK, and BikeRadar.com. Hello and welcome to Bike Radar's News Roundup podcast, your very semi-regular roundup of the hottest, freshest, greatest, most kicking fresh swag and news to land on BikeRadar.com. Today I'm joined by Simon Bromley, who's going to start things off by telling us about Canyon's new A-Road, the worst kept secret in cycling. Yeah, that's right. So it kind of oh, it's it was in development for so for so long, and I think we've all you know we we've been seeing seeing spy shots of it at various races for you know maybe eighteen months or so, but Kenya finally released it, and I was lucky enough to be the one to review it. So that was really that was really cool. Um, that launched on October the sixth, I think. So a couple of weeks ago now, but. Um, I had it for a few weeks before that. Got some, you know, good early impressions. I mean, obviously, it's a very fast bike. It was very exciting. You know, it, it's really good. It, it's quite a complicated bike. They've, they've, you know, the old bike was quite simple, and I think mm. that's what part was part of its charm. But the new bike, they've kind of, you know, in in search of those gains, they've they've gone really all in on the kind of proprietary stuff. And uh, obviously, the handlebar was one of those particular ones. Now, I don't. Do you have you? Do you know much about the handlebar, Jack? Well, I mean, the nitty gritty internals of it. I had you talk at me about it for quite some time, but the uh, <laughs> the big uh, the big talking point was the uh, adjustable or removable, if you like, wings, where essentially you could change from. Am I right in saying 44 down to 40 centimetres? Is that correct? So it was 43 down to 39 on my size medium. And that's the same as size large. I think on the smaller sizes, it went from sort of 42 to 38 maybe. And then on the, on the XLs, it was 44 to 40. To give context, what we're talking about here is literally, if you imagine, you know, the clamping area of a normal handlebar, maybe about two or three centimetres out from that central section, the actual wings, the drops, whatever you want to call them, they literally unbolt as if they were TT extensions, which means you can transport it. And for Canyon, that's obviously a great thing because they are a direct sale brand. So everything is arriving in boxes. So it makes things much easier for them. But arguably for if you're the sort of person who's lucky enough to be uh, flying to Mallorca, you know, regularly during a global pandemic for your cycling holidays, then great, you'll be laughing. Um, but the adjustable width, I mean, obviously, Simon, you're a very narrow man. I imagine you went straight down to the narrowest width. Yeah, I, I literally did. The, the moment I got the bike, the very first thing I did was change it to the narrowest width. I mean, you know, and, and this has been one of my one of my gr- main gripes about integrated handlebars for a really long time is that they, they don't provide any sort of fit adjustment. And that, you know, that's partly why you know, we saw a lot of companies move away from totally integrated handlebars and obviously you know when specialized before they killed their venge off they had a sort of you know aerodynamic two-piece handlebar trek as well they they have a kind of two-piece handlebar um even Cervelo with their s5 they have a you know that crazy split stem it's still a two-piece it's not a completely integrated handlebar um so this is a kind of different solution and, and, and as you say it makes it kind of easier to ship and to travel with as well 
you know, the, the stem length isn't adjustable. And so not everyone will be able to get exactly what they want because, you know, for example, the longest stems only come with the kind of widest handlebars. You can't get a, you know, a 36 centimeter handlebar with a 130 millimeter stem, for example. Now, not many people are going to want that, but there might be one or two people out there. And, people and, like you. But yeah, people like me, sort of tall, really thin people who like to go, you know, super, super aero. But, you know, that I'm kind of, the vast majority of people I'm sure will be able to get, get what they want with it. So, so that's it. You know, I think that's an improvement. And, um, but beyond that, yeah, it's obviously got this quill stem sort of arrangement, which is quite interesting. It gives you sort of seamless height adjustment of the steerer tube without having to cut it, which is quite nice. But, you know, obviously then that means it's only kind of compatible with electronic drivetrains. Those that grew up with quill stems will be screaming at their headphones now saying, we told you, <laughs> we told you. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, you know, and I think to be fair to Canyon, you know, it sounds quite complicated when you say it, but it all works very well, and uh, you know, it does look very cool. It's a very fast bike. I think I gave it four out of five stars, so you know, that's kind of very good, one of the best you can buy. You now, I was slightly disappointed that it comes with the kind of the outgoing model of DT Swiss wheels rather than the brand new set that's just been announced. Um, the front wheel has a kind of slightly narrower internal width that makes the front tire come up quite small. That's not a problem if you you know ride on very nice roads, but it's not something we're lucky enough to have. Yeah, we have a lot of terrible roads around here, and so you know there's just occasions it can get slightly chattery on on rough roads. Obviously, it's a very stiff bike, it's a very stiff fork, and all of these things. But on the whole, you know, it's a fantastically fast bike, and I had a lot of fun riding it. Yeah, and if you want to get the full scoop on that, of course, head to bikerader.com where there's a news story, the review, and also to our YouTube channel where you can see Simon ride the bike and almost kill a squirrel. (laughs) exactly yeah well worth watching uh the other big launch in the road world this month was the specialized athos now this is i it couldn't be further removed really in terms of uh ethos one might say compared to the canyon air road where in specialized own words is a bike built purely for the love of riding so it's an all-out pursuit of ultimate lightness and kind of pushes ride quality over any aerodynamic or other performance benefits against anything else. Um, And it's, you know, compared to the drop seat stay homogeny of a lot of road bike design these days and kind of aero convergence between, you know, climbing and aero models, it does stand out by looking a lot like a bike from five years ago. (laughs) Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the kind of obviously you and I are big followers of cycling memes. And I think one of, you know, the kind of the thing that everyone was saying was that it's a a tarmac SL5. Yeah. This is super lightweight SL5. I mean, it's a lovely looking thing and everybody who's ridden it on the bike radar team. So Matthew Loveridge and George Scott, they both said it's been, you know, an absolute joy to ride. And I've no doubt it is. Um, The solar bikes from a couple of years ago. uh, And, you know, it's really funny having just seen the, um, the SL7, the Tarmac SL7 launch, which is the one bike to rule them all, uh, except for, you know, when you just want to have fun riding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, obviously this is not a, a really a bike for me um, because I, you know, I, as I'm constantly going on, I don't think weight matters. But at the same time, you know, someone like Matthew and I guess, for you know, George as well, you know, they're, they're, they're buying in much more, to this kind of experiential ride quality of it, I guess. And, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. And I think there is a lot to be said for the sort of simplicity of it as well. Um, You know, it doesn't have fully integrated cable routing. It has a threaded bottom bracket, you know, 
it sort of it has a standard round seat post it's, you know all of, you know a standard steerer you know all of these sorts of things will make it a very easy bike to live with and i think that is one thing definitely worth celebrating yeah absolutely and you know regardless of whether it actually matters or not there is little doubt little doubt that the weight is incredibly impressive and a s-works athos frame comes in at a claimed 585 grams for a size 56 which is remarkably light but bear in mind if you want the very top is top end version of this bike which was limited to something like 350 models you will have to pay a 13,000 pound price tag which is frankly outrageous um, yeah. the, the cheaper versions are still quite light though aren't they we saw then they announced yesterday the sort of the non-s-works versions right they did yeah um i mean you're still getting a ridiculously light frame set i think it's at 699 gram oh, sorry a very light frame at 699 grams for a 56 and um, the pricing for those models starts at five and a half grand and that's for a ultegra di2 build with alloy wheels now that's still a lot of money a great deal of money yet, but I, I don't think that this is a bike that people will be buying in pursuit of a bargain-tastic value. No, exactly. And I think, uh, you know, one of the other things uh, that I really liked was that the amount of paint jobs options that it comes in. I thought that was fantastic. So well done, Specialized, for that. I oh, really like that. Yeah, I, I, I'm so bored of boring matte-coloured bikes. <laughs> just anything that's, you know, a solid monochrome colour just needs to stop. Um, you know, I want the bike to make me feel fizzy whenever I look at it. And something like a coral pink Athos is going to make me feel a lot happier than an austere black Canyon Air Road. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just nice to have choice, you know, because I think there it's just that the, the problem with matte black is not that it's it doesn't look nice at all you know it can i think personally a matte black bike with you know, tan wall tires can look absolutely fantastic mm. it's just that there are so many of them that it just makes really just makes the bike blend in and what you know if you're going to spend a lot of money on a bike you really i really want it to stand out yeah and you want it to look good on instagram. instagram yeah, yeah there we exactly. go look we did that exactly the same time we know where our <laughs> millennial concerns really lie incredible that's almost embarrassing um the Athos is not the only new thing from Specialized this month. Uh, they have also just released, I guess it would be the second generation of their newest generation stump jumper, though I'm sure they wouldn't describe it that way. Um, but I think it was back in 2017, they launched the previous generation updated stump jumper and the new ones just arrived now. Um, now there's full details for that one, uh, for the, the normal stump jumper on bike radar. But for me, the more interesting one was the release of the new carbon stump jumper Evo. Now, when the previous generation stump jumper came out, the Evo was tacked on the side as a kind of testing of the water, perhaps would be the way to say it, to see what the appetite in the market was for a really long, really slack, really rowdy bike from a mainstream brand. And I really enjoyed it when I rode it. I thought it was really competent, really fun, incredibly good in super rough and steep terrain, all the things we've come to expect these uh, these types of bikes. But it did kind of have that feeling as, as being tacked onto the side. Now, with the new one, the Stump Jumper Evo Carbon, it very much feels like a, a model in its own right. And I, I, I'm not a dude Treadington by any stretch. Uh, and Alex Evans, our mountain bike tech editor, he has done a full, really good video on the bike and a full article, and I urge you to go look at it because it is really interesting to see that Specialized, the most mainstream of mainstream brands, is picking up very much on these trends. And, you know, 
this is geometry that wouldn't have been out of place on something like a pole evo link a few years ago. Not quite as extreme, but nonetheless, you know, still a very, very out there bike um, and something I think we're only going to see more of as time progresses. Moving back to our comfort zone, though, earlier this week, Hunt launched its first ever uh, aero carbon gravel wheel set. Now, with gravel riding, or we'll say gravel racing, it doesn't matter what surface type you're on. If you're going fast, aero matters. So the coming of Aerotech and gravel has been coming in little drips and drabs and, and perhaps the most notable launches were something like the 3T Explorer, which popularised the concept long before any of this. Um, and then maybe something like the Ridley Canzo, which we've previously talked about in this podcast, which launched a couple of weeks ago. Now, they, they are aero bikes, which have come with a focus on uh, Aerotech as a whole package, but seeing component manufacturers or so something like Hunt coming in with wheels, I think it's very notable and something we're going to see more of. What did you think of them, Simon? Aero nerd, Simon? Yeah, so I think it's interesting. You know, I, th- I think you know, part I think part of the reason people want to run deep section carbon wheels is because they look really cool. And obviously, gravel is all about looking cool. So obviously, you've got to run aero wheels. But then if you're going to have deep section carbon aero wheels, and you might as well have them actually work. And obviously, the problem for a kind of, you know, taking a road wheel and putting a gravel tire on it is that the tire is so wide compared to the rim that the rim won't be able to recapture that airflow off the tire. And essentially, you won't be gaining any benefits from that deeper, deeper rim. So what Hunt and other companies like Zip and Free T, like you said, have been doing is basically making ultra right ultra wide rims um and i think so these hunts measure 36 millimeters wide 36 mil external which is just it's crazy how wide they just look on the bike really you know if you think about well what what would a typical road aero wheel set look maybe 30 mil yeah we're up to i mean i think you know 20 28 millimeters is probably now the kind of standard but that was even two or three years ago 28 millimeters wide was incredibly progressive uh you know you know my kind of long-term giant bike comes with rims that are 25 millimeters wide you know designed for 25 millimeter tires which are kind of still the standard in professional racing so these you know these hunt wheels are 10 millimeters wider over 10 millimeters wider but like i said it you know when the tire size goes up you need that width in order you know because essentially you're trying to create an aerofoil shape with the rim and the tire. And so if the tire is too wide, the airflow won't be able to be recaptured by the rim. And so this is the kind of logical conclusion is that if the tire needs to get wider, then so does the rim. Yeah. But obviously that then brings problems with weight and Hunt has a kind of interesting solution to that, doesn't it? Yeah, they essentially mold, it's either, you could call it either a channel or a cavity around the outside face of the rim. So as in what you see, um, and they mold that when they're producing the wheels and then they embed a kind of non-structural polymer within there, which is a much, much lower density than carbon. So, you know, you you have that overall aero shape without basically having to fill the whole space in with carbon um, and they can reduce weight as, uh, by a great deal. And that's their limitless tech, which we actually first saw in their road wheels um, earlier on this year. It's very clever. I've seen it in the flesh kind of on a, a raw wheel before it's been painted. And it, it makes total sense because, you know, it's already more than strong enough without that additional bit of carbon, for the lack of a better wording. So to, to just put something else there is quite smart. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of one of those things, I think, you know, as we're kind of moving away from rim brakes, th- this is one of those mm. things that can now be done now that it doesn't have to have a braking track on the rim anymore, you know? And so hopefully we're going to see more kind of, you know, things around this, that sort of area, you know, and, and you know, you don't have to have a straight sidewall anymore. You don't, as you say, you, you can put non-structural things there on the outside of it, for example. And so it's kind of, I'm really hoping we're going to see more development in wheels like this, because I think the getting rid of the kind of brake track on them makes for a lot of possibilities. Mm. So it's, it's very exciting. Hunt didn't make any, I think it's gravel, rim brakes and gravel are basically not a thing anymore um but unless you're jack luke well unless you may uh but (laughs) um, but although hunt didn't make any specific claims about you know being able to get rid of the brake track it is notable that someone like dt swiss with those wheels you very briefly mentioned earlier the the new die cut 1100 and 1400 wheels they they are disc only for now or sorry they are disc only now was the previous generation uh did allow for rim brakes on certain models and their big claim with these new wheels was that yeah you know now we've got rid of the rim uh, brake track we can be a bit more adventurous with our rim shape so i think you're probably on the money there um but really there is nothing quite as extreme looking as these hunt wheels and they're optimized for tires from 38 to 42 millimeters wide kind of in that range will give you enough volume for honestly anything in gravel if you need anything bigger you should probably just be on a mountain bike in my <laughs> opinion but in terms of the the overall savings i think it's charitable to say that they're quite modest when compared to the competition so a zip through three nsw if you compare it to these hunt wheels they claim to save 0.05 watts at 32 kilometers an hour now over a 200 mile course that would equate to something like a 5.57 second saving, according to Hunt. Now that is, I think we can safely say a wash. Yeah, I, that is, I think 0.05 watts is is perhaps the smallest saving we've I've ever seen claimed. Um, you know, and that's not to say it doesn't exist. You know, I mean, if Hunt's testing protocol is accurate enough to pick up half a watt. No, sorry. Less than half a watt. Less, sorry, sorry. So what is it? 0.05? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If it's if their testing protocol is accurate enough to pick up those differences, that's very impressive. Mm. But yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think that's a bit of a wash. I, I think, you know, uh, the more relevant example is perhaps, as you said in the news story, the kind of comparison to a, a kind of a standard alloy wheel set. And, and they, I think they chose, obviously, you know, a, a, a wheel set from their own range, the Hunt Four Season Gravel X, X Wide wheel set. And, and that, that was a kind of more about around nine watts, which again, doesn't sound like a lot, but over a kind of 200 mile event. It's nine know, watts know, per wheel as yeah. well, bear in mind as well. So it's, it is not an insignificant Although you thing. won't get the full amount, obviously, because the rear wheel mm-hmm. is hidden by the frame. But yeah, it it's kind of over the course of a 200-mile event, that could save you up to six minutes. So that is, that's a more significant saving. And I think that's the kind of comparison. You know, no, I don't think anyone with a kind of set of zip free or freeze is going to look to upgrade to a set of hunts. But most people with a kind of you know a standard alloy wheel set you know, maybe looking at a kind of aero carbon wheel set for their gravel bike and thinking, you know, what, what, what would I save? So that, that's probably a more relevant comparison. Another thing I thought was really notable, though Hunt hasn't jumped on board the, the hookless train, as far as I recall, but these new uh, rims are a hooked bead and it's an ETRTO compliant 
hooked bead. So that means that you can run standard clinch your tires, but also pretty much any tubeless tire on the market. Though, of course, look at any compatibility charts. But, you know, many, many, uh, we've, oh God, I can't remember how many times we've talked about this now, but so many uh, manufacturers are moving to hookless rims and they purport many benefits to do with tire shape, you know, reduced cost, increased uh, tolerances or tighter tolerances in manufacturing. Um, but there's no doubt that there are still compatibility issues, safety issues if you're using the wrong tire on the wrong rim if a brand doesn't uh, approve it. So... To see Hunt just sticking with a hooked rim, I think, is probably a good thing for consumers for now because it means there's far less doubt about what you can and can't use. Um, and you can chuck a tube in and not worry about it, which is definitely a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, yeah, like, like you say, we, we've talked about this so much and, and I recently published an update to my TCR long-term review on site um, and, you know, that it sort of touched on that quite heavily. And I think... I think, you know, obviously, if you're really concerned about performance, then having a widest tire choice as possible is very important. But just more generally, there's still, like you say, there's still kind of compatibility issues around certain brands not approving their tires for use on tires. It's less of a problem in the gravel world where, op you know, operating pressures are lower. But nevertheless, you know, you don't want to accident, you know, if you were to install a clincher tire on a, on a hookless rim accidentally, you know, the, the chances of a, of a blowout are pretty high. And so there's still a kind of, there's, there's work to be done in perhaps consumer and shop education and yeah I, there's certain part of me that like obviously I want the benefits of of a hookless rim but I also want the safety of a hooked rim and so like, I, but and I really kind of err on the side of safety really so mm. it it's a difficult one but yeah like I think maybe this will get resolved in, in a few years when every single brand simply just produces all of their tires to to work nicely with hookless but at the moment yeah maybe a hook rim is slightly slightly safer i'm sure the hookless rim manufacturers are also screaming at their headphones because <laughs> we should stress that a hookless rim design can be safe it just it's it's totally dependent on tire compatibility so you know absolutely we just that's the thing to stress is that you know there are still questions and and you know when i worked in shops i never once had somebody say oh, is this tyre compatible with my mm. wheel? Because it's just assumed knowledge and you have to be quite actively engaged with the tech on your bike, which we are because we're paid to be, but the majority of consumers probably aren't in the same way. So having that uncertainty removed is no bad thing in my eyes. Absolutely, yeah. Then <clears throat> these particular wheels will set you back £1,289, which isn't actually that outrageous for... You know, what Hunt claims is the fastest gravel wheel set, sub 50 millimeter gravel wheel set on the market. You know, we could you could pay quite easily double or maybe even triple that with uh, wheel sets from uh, other brands. And these are due to arrive in February 2021. So if you fancy them, you've got a little bit of a wait, but they could be perfect for your upcoming gravel racing season. Anyway, I think that's probably enough of the two of us. Thank you very much for listening. Please leave us a five star review if you think we deserve it. Please leave a comment on the article on Bike Radar to tell us what you did or didn't like about these podcasts. It's always nice to hear feedback on this stuff. And as always, subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bike Radar.